0: Hello, people of the way. If you have your Bible, please open up to Numbers chapter 33. Now, before we start, I have to say something about uh, messages, the sermons. Uh, If you don't have a a set period of time where you can listen to a message, just hit pause and listen the next day or mark where you leave off and then listen the next day. Uh, It's very important for us to have this deep rooting in the word of God. For all of us, myself included, you, me, all of us, to be rooted in the word of God and to have this understanding of the word of God because we're living in very dangerous times, very perilous times. And so when we have this understanding of the word of God, especially in, you know, when we do our, if you're listening for the first time, we do Old Testament studies through on Wednesdays and then New Testament studies on Sundays. And we go through the word of God systematically, verse by verse, line upon line, precept upon precept. And with that, we have the full counsel of the word of God. The good, the bad, the ugly. Yes, there are bad things in the Bible. Yes, there are ugly things in the Bible. A lot of good, but a lot of bad too. And when I say a lot of bad, it's nothing upon the Lord. It's the people. Bad and ugly with the people. And don't forget, the Lord is reactionary. The Lord says, okay, this is what I desire for you. And then when the people do it, you see blessings. You see beautiful, beautiful blessings. When the people don't do it, they do ugly things. They do bad things. Then you see how the Lord responds. Now, people always say, oh, I don't like the God of the Old Testament. He's too vengeful. He's too mean. No, God never changes. That's what the Bible says. I never change, saith the Lord. And so what changes? It's culture that changes. It's you and me that can change. What do I say? Don't change. Don't let that happen. We have to be firmly planted in the word of God. You see? And that comes by you and me together, yielding to his word. You and me together, yielding to the Holy Spirit. And so we start our study here in chapter 33, verse 1. It says, These are the journeys of the children of Israel who went out of the land of Egypt by their armies under the hand of Moses and Aaron. Now, this is completely true. Completely true. But it's deeper. Now, it's it, what's so beautiful about these latter chapters of the book of Numbers and it bleeds into Deuteronomy, it's, it's almost like a, a, a final exhortation of Moses before the children of Israel pass to the promised land. You know, the first generation it, it dies in the wilderness, you know, except for two, except for two. The first generation dies, uh, Caleb and Joshua, those are the only two. But the first generation dies, which means, you know, the generation into Adam, born into Adam, must die. It's the generation of Christ, the second generation. When you believe in Jesus Christ, it's the second generation of your nature. Born into Adam and then born again into Christ. And it's that generation which passes into the promised land. All of these things are Old Testament examples for you and me, for our exhortation, for our warning, for our admonition. That's what Paul says to the church in Corinth, that these things written of old, they were written, it happened for our examples. And so we see here in verse one, it's very, very true. What we see here that, you know, the children of Israel, they went out of the land of Egypt by their armies under the hand of Moses and Aaron. But it's much deeper than that. I mean, it it is true, but there's more depth. And the depth is what have we studied since you know, the book of Exodus? You see obedience. In some cases, you see disobedience and you see what the Lord does. Remember, the Lord is reactionary. He responds to disobedience. Just like a parent responds to his or her child in disobedience. You know, a, a parent responds to a child's obedience. A parent also responds to a child's disobedience. You know, um, with obedience the child gets a piece of chocolate you know with disobedience the child gets a piece of the belt you see Uh, blessings for obedience uh, curses for disobedience remember the lord chastises those whom he loves that's what the bible says if we are without chastisement we are illegitimate children I don't want that to be said of any one of us. If we are without chastisement, we are illegitimate. Some translations say, if we are without chastisement, we are bastards. Some translations say that. Now, I don't want that said of any of us. You will, in your walk with the Lord, you will feel this chastisement from time to time. Yes, it is painful, but what does it produce what does it produce just like we studied on Sunday? Godly sorrow, worldly sorrow, it leads to death. But godly sorrow leads to life because what it produces. Now you could look, make a blat- blanket statement about sorrow. Oh, sorrow's bad, sorrow's bad. But there's a form, what the Bible says is there's a form of worldly sorrow and godly sorrow. Now, what's the difference? Well, where does each path lead? I've tried them both. Worldly sorrow leads to the crack pipe. Worldly sorrow leads to alcohol. You know, oh, I feel so depressed. I'm so sad. So I'm gonna take these drugs. I'm gonna just, you know, bury my my worries, bury all my fears, bury all these of uh, depression uh, depression things, bury them in the bottle. That's worldly sorrow. Godly sorrow. Falls on our knees before the Lord. Lord, I'm brokenhearted. Lord, I did this. Lord, I said that. Lord, I thought this. Forgive me, Lord. I repent before you. Godly sorrow leads to repentance and produces beautiful, beautiful things. You see, so it's not just a blanket statement about sorrow. But understand that there's worldly sorrow and godly sorrow. And that's just one emotion, sorrow. That's just one emotion. Think of all the emotions we have in this earthly experience. You must give it to the Lord, my friend. You must give it all to the Lord. And so we see this blanket statement here in verse 1 that, yes, uh, the, the children of Israel went out of the land of Egypt by their armies under the hand of Moses, but there's a lot that has happened. I mean, if you've been listening for a while, you know that wow, that I mean since since the book of Exodus, Leviticus and Numbers. Oh my goodness, a lot has happened. And you see obedience unto the Lord. These are things which are not to be forgotten. And it's exhortations like this where Moses tells the children of Israel, don't forget these things, guys, because he's not he's not passing over into the promised land he's not he's going to die on this side of the jordan the next generation they're going to pass to the across the jordan he'll be dead and so his final exhortation you know including what we study in deuteronomy is guys don't forget don't forget don't forget don't forget don't forget and remember the past when we did forget you see And so look what happens here in verse two. Now, Moses wrote down, wrote down. Very interesting. Moses wrote down the starting points of their journeys at the command of the Lord. The Lord says, Moses, write this down. Moses in obedience. Okay, Lord. Yes, Lord, I will do that. You see the obedience of Moses. And these are their journeys according to their starting points. You know, you hear me say how, you know, Moses, like final exhortation for the children of Israel. But it's all in obedience to the Lord. It's all inspired of the spirit, just like we see in the epistles. Because the same spirit that told Peter, hey, Peter, write this down, the same spirit that says to Matthew, hey, write this down, Matthew, the same spirit that says, hey, Dr. Luke, write this down. Hey, uh, uh, Paul, write this down. The same spirit is the same spirit that says, you know, uh, 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 Moses, write this down. Ezekiel, write this down. Joel, write this down. The same spirit. Nathan, say this, the same spirit. Remember, the spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophets. The Spirit of the Lord will never guide somebody away from the Bible. The Spirit of the Lord will never guide somebody away from Jesus Christ. The Spirit of the Lord will never guide anybody away from Jesus Christ. You see, the Spirit of the Lord guides in truth and the Spirit of the Lord will never guide anybody uh, uh, into the law to leave Jesus Christ and enter the law, there's a big problem today with the Hebrew Roots movement. But the Spirit of the Lord will never guide into the law. The Holy Spirit guides to Christ, the fulfillment of the law. You see, and we study this in in Corinthians. We've studied this, and, and we're going to study it more about the law. The law is holy. But the law is a tutor to bring people to Christ. Those who are in Christ are no longer in need of a tutor. Now, a person who leaves Christ, now the tutor comes into play. And such a person that leaves Christ and is under the tutor, it is entirely possible for such a soul to be treated as if in the law, which we get into Romans 1. You see? When, when a soul uh, uh, forgets the Lord or is not thankful unto the Lord. And then we see these very, very sad verses in Romans 1. God gives them up. God gave them over. You see, it's a form of judgment on individuals. The same way we see judgment on lands, judgment on nations, judgment upon the world. We also see judgment upon individuals, you see. And if you're in a form of judgment, you know, remember Nebuchadnezzar because he was judged too and he was humbled and in his state of humility, he acknowledged acknowledged the Lord. You see? acknowledge the Lord and not just to acknowledge the Lord, but to surrender to the Lord. You see? That's, Paradise was lost in Genesis. Paradise is gained in Revelation. And the Lord teaches us how that exactly happens. It's only through Jesus Christ. I don't care what the Harry Krishna say. I don't care what Buddha says. I don't care what anybody says. Jesus Christ, the word became flesh. He is the only way. Mary ain't gonna happen. Buddha ain't gonna happen. You see, Jesus Christ. And the Lord tells Moses, Moses, write this down. Record these things at the command of the Lord. You know, the starting points of their journeys. And the, in verse 2, and these are the journeys according to their starting points. Now, we're going to reflect back on moments in time that we've already studied from, from Genesis. Like in verse 3, it says they departed from Ramesses in the first month. Or they departed from uh, 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 Egypt. Ramesses is a, a region within Egypt proper so to speak but this is from our study from Exodus 12 this is from Exodus 12 when you see the uh, 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 the beginning of months when the lord says you know that you you've been under this time frame in Egypt but when you leave Egypt it's Nisan the beginning of months and that's what we study from Exodus 12 now our our study through Exodus 12 we started that in early 2019 Early 2019. And here we are in 2021. Think of your own growth from 2019 to right here, right now. Think of your own growth in Christ. Your own maturity in Christ. Your own growing in Christ. Little markers that you have. Little events that have happened since, just since 2019. If you've been listening to this since 2019, just think of your own Forget everybody else. I'm just speaking to you. Everybody, I love the family. I love, I love, but forget that. Just you, only you. Think of your own personal growth and maturity in Christ since early 2019. You see, and all the events, the situations that presented themselves since then. And yet the Lord has shown himself self Faithful. The Lord has revealed himself to be faithful. You see? These little moments of remembrance. Just like we see the stones of remembrance. We're going to study that when we get into Joshua. The stones of remembrance. But there's always these moments of memorial. I mean, turn with me really quick to uh, 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter... 1 Samuel chapter 7. 1 Samuel chapter 7. Beautiful, beautiful Samuel. I'm so in love with Samuel. I'm so in love with this mom, Hannah, who raised this little boy, this little child. And there was silence. You know, there was no widespread revelation from the Lord. The Lord was silent. He wasn't speaking. But who did he speak to? Well, he responded to the prayers of Hannah. Hannah but then he was speaking to Samuel he wasn't speaking to the priests he wasn't speaking to the high priest he spoke to little Samuel now you see Samuel as an adult and so we see here in 1 Samuel chapter 7 verse 3 then Samuel he was a prophet of the Lord then Samuel spoke to all the house at all the house of Israel saying if you return to the Lord so what happens to Israel they left the Lord they left the Lord That's what we're going to see all through the Old Testament. You see Israel with the Lord, and then you see them leave the Lord. This is a period by which Israel, they have left the Lord. And the prophet, the messenger of the Lord, Samuel, is saying, hey, come back to the Lord. If you return to the Lord, he says in verse 3, with all your hearts, then put away the foreign gods. You see what, what happened? You think Israel in our study in numbers, you think they would have learned. And here they are in 1 Samuel chapter seven. Now they have the foreign gods, the they, 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 idolatry all over again. You see? But it reminds me of the walk of the Christian. Israel exemplified in the Christian. the baby Christian, the young Christian who hasn't learned, who hasn't understood, who needs to be under the teaching, under the guidance of somebody like a Paul, somebody like a Titus, somebody like a uh, 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 um, Priscilla and Aquila, somebody like a Timothy, you see, somebody like an Apollos, somebody like a Peter. It's, The young believers who need to understand these things so that we can put aside those things, lay away all those things which so easily ensnare us and move on to perfection. The same trap that happens to Christians happened to Israel. And so Samuel, the messenger of the Lord, a prophet of the Lord says, if you return to the Lord with all your hearts, then put away foreign gods, the foreign gods and the asterisks from among you and prepare your hearts for the Lord and serve him only. Serve Him only. You see? The preeminence of Jesus Christ in our lives, in your life, in my life. Not the, not the prominence of Jesus Christ. Not like, you know, I like Jesus Christ, but I also like Buddha. I like Jesus Christ, but I also worship Mary. I like Jesus Christ, but I also like what the Harry Krishnas have to say. You see? Jesus Christ, serve him only. And he will deliver you. Not he might deliver. He will deliver you from the hand of the Philistines. You see? Samuel. Samuel, just there was no widespread revelation. The Lord was silent in those days. He speaks to Samuel. You see? Why did he speak to Samuel? Because Samuel was sold out to the Lord. I'm yours, Lord. I'm yours. No matter what. You see, in verse four, so the children of Israel put away the bales and the Asherahs and served the Lord only. So you see restoration in the camp of Israel. This restoration happened as a result of Samuel speaking, speaking and telling the people in his own obedience unto the Lord, telling the people, hey, this is what needs to happen. You need to repent. You need to return to the Lord. And so the people, they did exactly that in verse 5. And Samuel said, gather all Israel to Mizpah, and I will pray to the Lord for you. You see his intercession. So they gathered together at Mizpah, drew drew water, and poured it it out before the Lord. And they fasted that day and said there, we have sinned against the Lord. You see, acknowledgement of their sin. We have sinned against the Lord and Samuel judged the children of Israel at Mizpah. You see his correction, his correction in obedience to the Lord. When the Lord says, you know, Samuel, Samuel, my messenger, say this to the people in obedience. He does exactly that. You see, and now he's in a judgment capacity, just like we see, you know, not condemning anybody to hell, but there is condemnation of the sin it's like you know hey this isn't good don't do this hey this isn't good don't do that don't do this and Jan- samuel judged the children of israel at mizpah so we see that change over of israel yes they were in the wrong yes they had they were worshiping idols the asterisks and with correction godly correction with the acknowledgement of their sin They're being made right before the Lord. And now when they're right before the Lord, look what happens in verse 7. Now when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel had gathered together at Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. So you see, opposition is coming to Israel at Mizpah. And when the children of Israel heard it, they were afraid of the Philistines. Except something's different. Israel is different. They've repented. They are now right before the Lord. So the children of Israel said to Samuel, do not cease to cry out to the Lord, our God, for us, that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. You see, so now the, the children of Israel, they're seeking the Lord through Samuel, but they're seeking the Lord. And Samuel took a suckling lamb and offered as a whole, as a whole burnt offering to the Lord, you see, offering just in accordance to the law. I'm not advocating the law, but in accordance to the law, because the law of the new covenant has not yet come. It's a foreshadowing of the things to come. Then Samuel cried out to the Lord for Israel, and the Lord answered him. Now, as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. You see, opposition is right here. It's not opposition is in the distance. Opposition is now right here, up close and personal. In verse 10, but the Lord thundered With a loud thunder upon the Philistines that day. And so confused them that they were overcome before Israel. You see? The intercession of Samuel to Israel to say, hey, repent, return to the Lord. Led to the intercession of the Lord. You see? Where are the interceders of this day and age? Where are those who will intercede? Remember, Samuel interceded for Israel, God's children. A people, the the apple of his eye. Except they were wrong. They They were the ones who were in the wrong. They were the ones. It's not that the Lord abandoned them. They abandoned the Lord. And so the Lord sends the messenger, hey, come back to me, come back to me. And in order for them to come back to the Lord, they have to be made right with the Lord in accordance with the Lord, how he says a soul needs to be made right, which is blood, repentance, sacrifice. You see? We see everything we've studied in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. I mean, not everything, but a large portion we see it in just these little verses. But you also see what vindication. What inv- what vindication. Victory in battle. They were over, the Philistines, they were overcome before the Lord in verse 11. And the men of Israel went out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and drove them back as far as below Bethkar. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen, and called its name Ebenezer, Ebenezer. You see? You know the song we sing? Here I lay my Ebenezer. You know the song we sing? Stone of help. Stone of help. Saying, thus far the Lord has helped us. The song we sing? Here I lay my Ebenezer. What is this? What is the Ebenezer? What is this stone of help? When this stone of help, this Ebenezer, took, verse 12, then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mispa and Shen. Think of what that stone represents. Say it's three months later. Three months later, Israel can look and see that stone and remember the Lord was faithful. Even when we were not, the Lord was faithful. They can remember how they were freaked out and the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. And in verse 10, but the Lord thundered with a loud thunder. You see? The Lord, the intercession of the Lord. As a result of the intercession of Samuel. You see? The Lord is reactionary. For people to be right with the Lord. That's that's the whole Genesis to Revelation. For people to be right with the Lord. Yes, I say Genesis to Revelation. And Genesis, remember, pre-law. Pre-law. But even still, people had to be right with the Lord. You see? Look at Noah. He was right with the Lord. And look what happened with him. Rescue. Intercession. Everybody else? Noah was a preacher of righteousness as revealed by the Spirit to Peter. You see? A preacher of righteousness. And yet, the inhabitants of the land ignored him. Oh, Noah, you're so stupid. Why are you building a boat out here in the middle of nowhere? If, if anybody, anybody's going to build a boat, you should do it near the water at least, you know. So, and, and preferably downhill so that when you're done, it's easy to push down. We can put the logs on and it can, you know, go in the water. Like normal people do, Noah. Like the smart people do, Noah. Like the wise people do, wise of the world. You know, Noah, like the smart people do, they like to build their boats near the water. A big old vessel like the one you're building. Hey, Noah, you should be doing it near the water. You're so stupid, Noah. You're so dumb. You're so stupid. You're not even wise. You're not even smart. Look, you know, I've done this. Look how smart I am. And you're so stupid. Look, I build a big boat too. Not this big, but I built a big boat too, except I built it near the water. What are you doing at building out here in the middle of nowhere? Everything's fine and dandy. Eat, drink, and be merry. Until the rains come. Until the rains come. And then the rains come. The doors close. It wasn't Noah and his family. They didn't turn around and close the door. No, it, the Lord shut them in. You see, the door that was open is now closed. It's now closed. The rains come and those same people who said, oh, Noah, you're so stupid. You're so stupid. The water got deeper, you know, ankle deep, waist deep, neck deep. Finally, they had to climb on their roofs. And it's still the rain still came. Water from the top and the bottom because the springs opened up. You see? Noah's not so stupid now. You see? People swimming for You could be an expert swimmer. An expert swimmer. But you're going to get tired. You're not eating. You know, you can't drink the seawater. You're going to expedite the process of dehydration. You're going to get tired. Buoyancy only lasts for so long. You know, food for energy. Noah's not so stupid now. You see, the very ones who cried out to Noah, you're so stupid, you're so stupid, are the very ones who, when the rains come and the rains flood, are the ones who now realize that, whoa, Noah was right. Noah's not the fool. I'm the fool. You see? And the Lord Jesus Christ tells us that the last days will be like the days of Noah. Oh, you're so stupid. Come on, let's go get drunk. You're so stupid. Come on, let's go have sex. You're so stupid. Come on, let's go get high. You're so stupid. Look, it's just a little white lie. No big deal. Look, I can cheat on my taxes. A little white lie. I get an extra $20,000. Look. No big deal. God is good. Look, he's blessed me with $20,000. All I got to do is cheat on my taxes. That's the wisdom of the world. That says, you're so stupid. You don't want to get drunk with me. You don't want to have sex with me. You don't want to do the, my Ouija boards. You don't want to come, come over and do the Ouija boards together. You don't want to go do the occult stuff and you know do all this crazy stuff together. You don't want to get high together. You don't want to go to the strip club. You're so stupid. You're so dumb. You're not loving. You see? Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Just think of the heart of Noah. How it must have broken. Broken. Not. In a prideful sense, like, oh, look, we are of the elect. Look, the Lord has opened the door for us and it's closed for you. Ha ha. No, that's an elitist mentality, which is unbiblical. He's long suffering. Just like our Lord is long suffering. You see? And the Lord is the one who says the last days will be like the days of Noah. It's going to be the exact same. Exact same. Right now, the door is open. What do I say? If you're not a believer, you need to become a believer and come inside the ark. Because judgment is coming. Oh, you're so stupid. You might call me stupid now. You might call me stupid now. And I, I just echo the words of Paul and say, you're right. I am a fool. I'm a fool for Christ. The Lord chooses the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. Oh, you're such a fool. You're such a fool. And I got a big old smile on my face. You see? And I say, come in the ark. The door is open. Receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior because God loves you. And if that's you and you want to receive Jesus Christ as Lord, hit pause and listen to the message how to receive Christ, how to commit your life to Christ. And you come back and you continue and listen as a new believer, as a born again, somebody who has exited from Adam and been born again into Christ. You see, still in 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12, then Samuel took a stone. Remember, they had victory. The Philistines were drawn, drawn back, driven back as far as Bethkar. Then Samuel took a stone in verse 12 and set it up between Mizpah and Shen and called its name Ebenezer. Stone of help. It's a stone of remembrance to remember what? That the Lord helped us. Here I lay my Ebenezer. You see? And remember how I said, you know, early 2019 is when we studied, uh, when we started our study of the Exodus. Early 2019. What about all those moments since early 2019 where the Lord has shown himself faithful unto you? I'm just speaking to you, family, friends, whoever's listening with you. I love them. I love them. I love them. But I'm just speaking to you right now. You and me, point blank. Since early 2019, all those moments that the Lord has shown himself faithful And in every single one of those moments, will you erect a stone of remembrance? What is the stone of remembrance? The Ebenezer. All those moments where the Lord has shown himself faithful unto you. His intercession unto you. And here and there, you can lay your Ebenezer to reflect back. And remember his faithfulness and his goodness and his love and his grace and his mercy unto you. I love everybody who's with you, but I'm speaking to you personally, point blank, one-on-one. You see? Where is it that you lay your Ebenezer? A stone of remembrance, yes. But to remember his help. You see? And I love it. it's kind of scary, but I love it still in verse 12 at the end. He says and called his name Ebenezer saying thus far the Lord has helped us. It's scary. I love it, but it's scary because he, he doesn't say the Lord has helped us. He says thus far the Lord has helped us. You see. And the scary part of that is the thus far. Because what does that say to Israel? Hey, Israel. Since the Lord has shown himself faithful, you, Israel, we, Israel, we show ourselves to be faithful as well. It's not just laying a stone. People always say all the time, oh, it's stone of remembrance, stone of remem- remembrance, stone of remembrance. People, till oh, so they're blue in the face. Oh, yeah, stone of remembrance. Okay. Praise the Lord, stone of remembrance. But let me ask you a question, brother. Let me ask you a question, sister. What's up with the crack pipe? You want to talk to me about a stone of remembrance? The stone of help? You want to talk to me about all those things? What's up with the strip club, brother? Oh, but it's the finest crack from Chiapas, Mexico. It's the finest meth from Chiapas, Mexico. I don't care. What's up with your text cheating, brother, sister? What's up with your Ouija boards, brother, sister? Oh, Stone of Help, Stone of Help. Okay, praise the Lord, Stone of Help. But you have forgotten. You see? That's, that's my, the love and scary part of verse 12. Thus far, the Lord has helped us. Now the ball's in your court, Israel. For us, the ball is in our court as well. The Lord is faithful. He has shown himself to be faithful. What about us? Does because he's faithful... Does that give me license to be unfaithful? No way. Look look at a husband and wife. Because a husband is faithful, does that give the wife right to be unfaithful? Not that the very notion is stupid. And that's that's in a carnal sense. That's in a worldly sense. That's, I mean, I don't want to sound blasphemous in saying this, but I mean, if we put the Bible aside and I say, you know, does a husband's faithfulness Does that excuse a wife's unfaithfulness? No, it's stupid. It's nonsensical. Okay, now let's bring the Bible back into its proper place. How much more our fidelity unto the Lord? You see? How much more my fidelity and your fidelity unto the Lord? You see, I'm at verse 12 when he says, thus far, the Lord has helped us. In my carnal sense, I wish he just said, the Lord has helped us. The the carnal side of me, I wish it was just, the Lord has helped us. Why did he say thus far? But I love that it's there. It's a little reminder. The Lord is faithful. So, Lord, I will forever be faithful to you. We look back. I mean, I'm just saying early 2019. We look back to early 2019. All those stones. What are the stones that we laid? Big stones. I'm not talking about a little pebble. I'm talking about the big, like you have a big crane. You know, it leaves a big, big stone. Drop it wherever it is. Because, you know, two years later, three years later, 10 years later, 20 years later, We're going to be so far distance away from that point that if we had a little pebble, we wouldn't even see it. No, we need big, massive stones as our Ebenezer's, So that when we're five years away, when we're 10 years away, when we're 20 years away, should the Lord tarry, we can look back and see, wow, I remember that stone from 10 years ago. I remember that stone from 40 years ago, 50 years ago. I remember that stone from last week. And the Lord was faithful. Where I laid my Ebenezer, where you laid your Ebenezer, where we laid our Ebenezers, our stones of help. You see? And not just stones of help. So that we can remember. Helps us in our walk. I mean, every car has, you know, sets of mirrors. You look to your left, you have a mirror. You look to your right, you have a mirror. You look up above on the little, you know, the one on the roof, you have a mirror. Now, it's not as big as the, the side. It's not as big as the, the windshield. It's not as big as your windows to the sides. But you still have Mirrors. Reference points for what's in the rear. You see? It's the same thing in the walk of a Christian. Yes, we go forward to paradise. But even still, we can look back and reflect. Wow, Lord, you were so good. You are so good to me. But back then, 20 years ago, you were so good to me. And you never changed, Lord. Yes, I love the... Family, friends, relatives, whoever you're with, but I'm speaking to you one on one right now. Lay your Ebenezers. Drop those big fat stones. We'll do it together so that we can remember the faithfulness, the grace, the mercy, the love of our Father in heaven. Hallowed be his name. And we can worship him. And in our journey, yes, we're going to paradise. You abide in Christ. That's where we're going. We're going to paradise. But the trail behind us, it's not a path of destruction. I mean, you see, like the world, they have there's a path of destruction behind the carnal. I mean, you you see it, it's painful. You see it in families, you see it in churches, you see it in businesses, you see it in school. That just the path of destruction that follows the carnal, that, that is behind the carnal. Just total destruction. In a marriage, you, just, you see it. The proof is in the pudding. You see it in the fruit. It's nasty fruit. But for the righteous, you don't see that. But you see a whole lot of stones, big, fat stones, beautiful, beautiful stones that were laid there by the righteous to say, wow, Lord, you were faithful. You see? I remember that when we sing, when we worship, here I lay my Ebenezer, that's I have no words to describe the beauty behind it because it's deep. It's deep. You see in verse 13, so the Philistines were subdued and they did not come anymore into the territory of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of not all the days of Israel, certainly not all the days of Eli or his wicked sons. All the days of Samuel. You see? The intercession of the Lord was preceded by the intercession of his vessel. And what did his vessel say? Repent. Put aside your idols. Come back to me. That's the intercession of the messenger, the vessel, the prophet. Just like you see the intercession of Chloe. The intercession of Chloe unto the church in Corinth. Now, going to the male headship, the intercession of Chloe was to go to Paul. You see? And then you have the intercession of Paul unto the church. And yes, the intercession of Paul, the intercession of the Lord through the vessel, Paul, it's hardcore. But very necessary. Very important for the church. And that remnant was victorious. Victory in the life of the Christian. Just like we studied on Sunday, victory. Just like we studied the past Wednesday, last week on Wednesday, victory. That's observe Israel after the flesh. Victory. How did they have their victory? When they were right with the Lord. Observe the church, not in accordance to the flesh, but in accordance to the spirit. When does the church have victory? When they're right with the Lord. When you, when I, when we, are people of the way, are right with the Lord. Victory. You see? The hand of the Lord in verse 13 was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. I love Samuel, just like a Noah. the standard of righteousness. Now, I don't mean standard, like, you know, like he, he is the standard. I mean a standard, like he's like a standard bearer, like a, like a beacon. A beacon. You know? You see how beautiful this is? Hannah, a beacon. Mother of Samuel, a beacon. Chloe, a beacon. Ruth, Esther, Moses, Joshua, Aaron, Beacon. And you are love so much about these beacons, just like in the case of Aaron, a lot of sin. There's a lot of sin with Aaron, but then he repented and was right. Remember the golden calf. It was fashioned by Aaron but he repented. He was made right before the Lord. You see? Rahab, the prostitute. You see? A beacon. You say, well, how could a prostitute be a beacon? Because she came to Christ. She came to the Lord. She came to the Lord, and the Lord used her. You see? Praise be to the Lord. You see how I... I don't care. If you're a prostitute, you're listening, I don't care about your life. I mean, I care about your life but I don't care about the prostitution you come to Christ and then the prostitution that's over that's old you you see you can be like Rahab that's what's so beautiful about sinners that we see in the Bible because sinners come to the Lord sinners come to Christ And then we see what the Lord does through these people, in these people and through these people, such as Paul, such as Peter. You see? You see their old life in accordance to Adam, and then you see their new life in Christ. Then you see what the Lord does, not what they do. I mean, with carnal eyes, we see what they do. We study what they do. But understand, in accordance to the Spirit, it's the Lord doing it through them. Just, Just like Samuel. The hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days, not of Israel, not of Eli, the high priest, Kohanim, not of his sons, more priests, no, Samuel, as a standard bearer of righteousness, a beacon of light, super duper lights, you see, super duper lights. I'm not, uh, 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 big words, you know, sometimes you hear like the, you know, the preachers, the modern day preachers, they use all these big words, you know, the the fanciful words, this, that, you need a dictionary just to listen. Me, super duper, you know, that's the extent of my vocabulary. Not even super duper, super, super duper duper. You see, that's, the word of God is the word of God. And he is faithful. Let us be a people as we journey to paradise that lays our Ebenezer's along the way so that we can look back and remember. Maybe even as a safety net, because maybe even if we stumble, we have a stone of remembrance, not just to reflect back on, but to lean on, it's kind of like, I, I'm not much of a gamer, you know, video games. I, that's just not my cup of tea. I, I've, some, I've played some games and they're kind of fun, but it's just not my uh, not my cup of tea. Well, some games, you know, take that with a grain of salt because some games I, I like. But when you play a video game, I don't know how video games are now, but like back in the day, I, I'm assuming it's the same. You start the game, you reach a certain level, and then once you pass that level, it's like a marker and you can go forward and you can die and you don't go back to the beginning. You die in the video game and you go back to the level, the beginning of that level. And then you go up, you keep going the game and then you beat that level and then boom, that's your new marker. And you keep going. And if you die, you don't go back to the very beginning. you go back to the last marker, that level that you passed already. And that's the safety net of these stones of remembrance because we can walk in our journey with the Lord. And should we stumble, I pray we never do, but we're in these earth suits and we will stumble. And the Lord is faithful. These stones of remembrance are like a little preventer of those things, of of a fall. Not to go all the way back to the beginning, but a little fall. Instead of falling, you know, a hundred feet, we fall maybe three feet because, boom, a stone of remembrance was right there just three days ago. Boom, we fall back to that stone of remembrance and we remember like, oh, man, Lord, I blew it. Lord, forgive me. And then you go on. Next level. You say, that sounds like based. No, it's growth based. Just like first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade, next level. We grow, we mature. We move on to perfection. We not just lay aside the things which so easily ensnare us, but we also lay aside the elementary things. You see, we move on to perfection. We grow, we mature. And that's the beauty behind these stones of remembrance. So many people, they always say, Oh, stone of remembrance, stone of remembrance. They laud the stone of remembrance, but it's like, wait a second. Yes, stones of remembrance. These Ebenezers. When we lay the Ebenezer, it's so beautiful. But what's up with the myth? What's up with the whiskey? What's up with the wild turkey? What's up with the crack? What's up with the Ouija boards? What's up with the yoga? Oh, yoga's okay. No, it isn't. You want to awaken the kundalini spirit, that's supposedly in your spine. You want to awaken that puppy. In accordance with Eastern mysticism, Hinduism, no, it's demonic. Stretch, stretch. You no, know, stretching is fine. You know, I'm old. You know, I need to stretch. But doing yoga and all that, no, it's. You don't want to awaken the kundalini. It's demonic. You see, what's up with the tax cheat? Why you? Why you do your little? I was just a little white lie, just a little extortion. No big deal. So what? I I, I took you know ten thousand dollars from my employer. They 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 spend money like crazy. They don't even know about it. So what? No big deal. They they spend they spend a million dollars a week. They spend ten million dollars a week on this on that. What's a big deal if I just take a hundred bucks? And you know this this little no big deal. It's a huge deal. That's called extortion. You know what the vessel of the Lord says about extortion? I'm speaking about Paul. He says anybody named a brother who's as an, as as, as an, is an extortioner, don't even eat with such a person. You see. It's not good. The wisdom of the world might say it's fine. You know, you're going to get away with it. It's no big deal. Yeah, you know, they spend tens and hundreds of thousands of dollars. And, you know, so what if you did 10 bucks here, 20 bucks there? No big deal. In the eyes of the Lord, it's a big deal. Because when that happens, if that happens, you're not right before the Lord. It's the carnal nature. And you're not right before the Lord. And what happens in that carnal nature? The propensity of the carnal nature is like leaven. It's to grow and it festers. And it's going to get worse and worse and worse. Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. Praise be to the Lord. Come on, let's go get drunk. Come on, let's go to the strip clubs. It's just a little sex. Come on. You see? And what happens... When opposition, you don't have to go to opposition. What happens when opposition comes to you? Do you think you'll be victorious? Oh, the Lord will fight my battles. The Lord will fight my battles. Will He? He's faithful. Are we faithful? You see? Oh, you teach workspace. That sounds like workspace. No. It's obedience-based. You obey the Lord. The people of the way obey the Lord. Obedience unto Him in accordance with His Word, in accordance with His Spirit. And I don't mean the way like, you know, uh, an official church. I'm talking about a people who abide in Christ and He in them. You see, let us lay our ebenezers these stones of remembrance to reflect on all those moments these stones of help because when the Lord shows himself faithful when he helps us and these ebenezers they also help us these stones of help now let us go back to numbers numbers 33 So you have these moments of memory here in verse three, (laughs) numbers (laughs) thirty-three, verse three. I don't mean that. The reason why I laugh is because you know I always start a study. I'm thinking, okay, just thirty minutes. The thirty minutes, and you know, tops forty minutes. But here we are. You know, as the Spirit leads. And if, you know, if we remember, if we have these sermons where it's like you can't listen for too long, just hit pause. Just hit pause and listen later on tonight, later on the next morning, later on, whenever you have time, listen. But make sure that you're listening. Make sure that you're listening because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. What do we study? The Word of God. And His Word will not return to Him void. You see, that's you. You and your relationship with the Lord. That's us growing, maturing, feeding upon the word of God together, feeding upon the word of God. A nice holy diet for beautiful, holy people. You see, in verse 3, Remember, the Lord told him in, in, in verse 2, at the command of the Lord, when he says, write this, write this down, wrote down the starting points of their journeys. In verse 3, they departed from Ramesses in the first month. This is when they leave Egypt. On the 15th day in the first month, of, on the day of the Passover, the children of Israel went out with boldness in the sight of all the Egyptians. For the Egyptians were bearing all their firstborn. Remember the plagues? And that final plague was the... Uh, 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 death of the firstborn and in order for that plague to pass the, the Moses told, tells the people he says take a male lamb without blemish take the blood and put it over the doorpost of the heart, the lintel, which is like a cross a shape of a cross the lintel over the doorpost, the blood over the doorpost, that's why you hear us say from time to time the blood of Jesus Christ the blood of the lamb, capital L over the doorpost of your heart the to in your heart. You see. In verse 4, For the Egyptians were bearing all their firstborn, whom the Lord had killed among them. Also, on their gods, the Lord had executed judgments. You see, just like Korah. Just like what happened with Korah. People want to align themselves with Korah. Well, the Lord opened up the earth and they died. Korah led a rebellion. And among this is among Israel. You want to align yourself with Korah? Okay. I mean, I'm not saying okay, like that's doable. I mean, okay, if that's your choice. Your choice. But there's a cost. There's a penalty to pay. What happened to those who aligned themselves with Korah and were in agreement with Korah? The Lord killed them. You see? And the gods of, on the gods of Egypt, you want to align yourself with the gods of Egypt? Okay, I don't like it, but okay, if that's your choice. I tell you, come to the Lord, come to the Lord, come to the Lord, obey the Lord, obey the Lord, come to Christ, come to Christ. But you want to align yourself? You want to be in agreement with Buddha? You want to be in agreement with the Virgin Mary? You want to be in agreement with... It breaks my heart. It causes my heart to be long-suffering for your soul. But the Lord doesn't make robots. You have a choice to make. You see? The Lord executed judgments on the gods of Egypt. Do You think he's not going to... People always say all the time, Oh, yeah, you know, uh, there's all kinds of gods. You know, I can worship this. You know, you Christians, you say there's only one way. There's only one way. Well... Look what he did to Egypt. There is only one almighty. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. There's only one almighty. Yeah, there's all. There's a, a, a bunch of gods out there. A bunch of gods. And the Lord will judge them. The Lord will judge the world. The Lord will judge them. You want to align yourself with them? You want to align yourself with Korah? You see, I'm not speaking very supernaturally in saying that. Where will you be when judgment comes? Goshen. That's where I want you to be. Goshen. Oh, but we're not going to be here. We're going to be raptured before the seven-year tribulation. Well, biblically, the Bible says that tribulation begins in the middle of the 70th week. So if we're going to be very technical here. it Then tribulation shall come. After the abomination of desolation. Just if we're going to be technical. Biblically, the rapture is not pre-tribulational. It doesn't happen before the 70th week. Now, I know that's startling to a lot of people. I know that's very startling to many. The multitudes. I've been called satanic in saying that. In Christian circles. Say, so, oh, you worship Satan. You worship Satan because you say that we're going to be here during the the, the tribulation, during the, the wrath of God. No, slipsis and orge. You have to understand the difference. Listen to the message. When is the rapture? When is the rapture? Because we go through systematically, look at verse upon verse upon verse. We look at a whole bunch of different verses to help you understand about the rapture. You see, but in the Bible, the Old Testament, there were plagues and then more plagues. Plague after plague after plague after plague after plague. And then, boom, Exodus, the rescue. It's not, it's an old model. Plague, 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 rapture. You see? Exodus. It's not a new, it's nothing new. Now, you know, if you're pre-tribulation rapture, I love you. I don't want to confront these notions of that might cause you to stumble. But these notions, they need to be called into question and measured with what the Bible says. Because these days are very, very, very evil. And it is prophesied that there will be a great falling away. A great fall. The falling away has started. But the Bible says that there will be a great falling away. The falling away happens first. The revealing of the Antichrist happens first before the rapture of the church. Second Thessalonians chapter two. Very interesting how we see this is alignment to Korah comes at a heavy price. Alignment to Buddha, alignment to Korah will cost you your life. Alignment to Buddha will cost you your life. Alignment to Mary will cost you your life, your soul. But alignment to Christ, that's safety. You abiding in him and him abiding in you. That's safety. And all these, when the Lord says, Moses, write this down. And you you see these things it's like, wow, you know, Lord, we've already been through this. You know, I'm not injecting any thought of Moses or anything, but it's like, wow, you know, we, we've we already, you know, we've already been through it. That was just a couple of years ago. That was just, you know, Lord, that was just, it wasn't that long ago. Why do you want me to write this down, Lord? Well, it's not just for this generation because this generation, you will see sin enters the camp yet again. And you're going to see how these stones of remembrance, they serve as an aid to Israel. Just like our Ebenezer's and stones of remembrance serve as aid to you and to me. And our journey with the Lord together. In verse 5. Then the children of Israel moved. This is in Hebrews to begin their journey or to begin to, to be on a journey. The children of Israel moved from Ramesses. This is the exodus from Egypt. And camped at Sukkot. Sukkot. It's just like beginning a walk with Jesus. You have an exodus from Egypt or an exodus from bondage. And once that happens, there's a lot of learning that has to happen. Just like Israel. Remember, they're learning along the way. The, the, the wilderness experience, they're learning along the way. Much learning happens. It's not just like, you know, you're born again into Christ and then boom, you know, you're, you're, you're all set to go. No, we're born again into Christ. But understand that once that, once that happens, as beautiful as it is, growth still needs to happen. We know, we've studied the danger behind arrested development. It's very dangerous in the life of a believer, in the life of a Christian. Very dangerous when there's arrested development. And it comes at a very heavy cost. Just like we studied in Corinth. You see? In verse 6, They departed from Sukkot and camped at Itham, which is on the edge of the wilderness, they moved from Etham and turned back to uh, 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 Pihahiroth, which is east of Bel-Ziphon, and they camped near Migdol. They departed from before Har hiroth and passed through the midst of the sea into the wilderness. Now, this is during their exodus from Egypt, and we study this where you have the exodus that they leave Egypt proper, or they leave Ramses. And then they journey for a little bit. And then what happens? They hit the ocean. They hit the sea. Oh, what do we do? What do we do? They were mad at Moses. Moses, you let us out here just so we could die? They're on their journey. They leave Egypt. Wow, we're free. We're no longer under bondage. They're walking in the wilderness following Moses, who's following the Lord. Just like Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Just as uh, uh, Moses is a, a standard bearer. Just as Paul was a standard bearer. Just as Samuel was a standard bearer. All these standard bearers, these vessels of the Lord. A beacon of light to say, look, this is Goshen, this is Goshen. And these beacons of light, biblically, they don't want glory for themselves. They want all glory for the Lord. And the people following Moses through the wilderness. Moses, why did you bring us here? Look, the Egyptians are behind us. So we look behind us and we see the Egyptians. We look in front of us and we see the ocean. Oh, Moses, what did you do? You led us here to be killed. You see, we got a problem here. What do we do? We look behind us and we see death. We look in front of us and we see it's impassable. Well, nothing is impossible for the Lord. Nothing is impassable for the Lord. Turn with me to Exodus 14 really quick. Exodus 14, Exodus 14. Exodus 14, verse 11, the people were mad at Moses. Exodus 14, verse 11, then they said to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? You see, is this not the word that we told you in Egypt saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. That's what Israel is saying. It is better, Moses, if you left us us alone so that we can serve Egypt. So that we can be in bondage and serve Egypt. Do you realize what they're asking here? Moses, it would have been better if you said nothing. You shouldn't have said anything. You should have just kept your mouth shut. You shouldn't have said anything. We would have been fine and dandy in bondage. But remember, Moses wanted that too. (laughs) Moses wanted that to Like, Lord, I can't do this, Lord. I, I'm slow at speech. I stutter. I, I'm I, can't, I can't do this. And the Lord gave him Aaron, a helper. And Moses himself learned obedience. If Moses followed the suggestion of the people, he would have been disobedient to the Lord because the Lord says, Moses, Speak. And don't just speak, Moses. You speak the words that I give you. I am speaking through you, Moses. And the people, you brought us here to die. You brought us here to die. In verse 13, Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians, you see today, you shall see them. You shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. And verse 15. And the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Why do you cry to me? You see, Moses, why, why are you even asking Moses? Why do you cry to me? Why are you even asking Moses? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. Do you see how hard? Now, carnally speaking, I, mean, I don't mean to sound blasphemous in saying this. Carnally speaking and carnally thinking, logistically thinking, that's stupid. No disrespect to the Lord. Carnally, emphasis on carnally, I speak as a fool. How logical. Is it when you're at the ocean to say, go forward? You see? But let us put aside logic. Let us dethrone logic. Let us dethrone intellect. Not that logic and intellect are bad. But let us dethrone them. Let us use our Spiritual eyes, eyes of the spirit so that we can see. Tell the children of Israel to go forward. Okay, Lord. As you command, Lord. You see? Carnally speaking, but there's ocean there. What what are you talking about? You're going to... What? There's ocean there. It is Impassable. But what is impassable with the Lord? What is impossible with the Lord? You see? Now let's go back to Numbers 33. Verse 8. It just captures this in one little verse. They departed from before Hairoth and passed through the midst of the sea and into the wilderness. It's like, it doesn't even mention what the Lord did. I mean, the Lord did it. We know because we looked at it now, but... You know what this requires? A stone of remembrance. An Ebenezer. A stone of help. When the Lord showed himself faithful. And it's a help. Here we are in Numbers 33. So far distance away from Exodus 14. Here we are. Many moons later in the camp of Israel. And yet the Lord tells Moses, 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 Write this down. This needs to be recorded, Moses. For your, your generation and for the generation, the generation, the second generation, the generation that Joshua leads and the generation of Samuel. You don't know Samuel, Moses, but I know Samuel. I know Samuel. And I know that he's going to be a man after my own heart. And I know you don't know him yet, Moses. You're going to die, and you don't know him yet. And don't forget, Moses was at the transfiguration. So we say Moses died, but his earth suit died. And Moses, you don't know Samuel yet. You don't know Hannah yet. She's such a beautiful woman. You don't know her yet. But she's going to be a vessel. You see, how beautiful this is. When Israel comes to the ocean, comes to the sea, they look in the back, they look behind them, and they see their captors, their oppressors. They look in front of them, and they see the ocean. And the Lord says to Moses, Moses, why do you cry to me? Why why are you even asking, Moses? I told you to, I brought you here, Moses, I told you to turn left when you turn left. I told you to turn right when you turn. And you're obedient, Moses. You did this. We had some issues before, but praise the Lord, you had Zipporah. When the Lord wanted to kill Moses. You see. All these things happen. For such a time as this, Moses. After all the plagues that you just witnessed. All the plagues that you just witnessed. And here you are at the ocean. Are you going to be disobedient? Am I not the Lord, Moses? Is anything impossible for me, Moses? After all I've shown you, why do you cry to me, Moses? I've told you to go forward. Now, if Moses were logical, if he were intellectual there'd be a disconnect because faith you must kick in your gears of faith what is the pro- what is the ocean to the lord what is the problem to the lord you see Nothing is impassable for him. Nothing is impossible for him. The question is, are we with him? Oh, but the Bible says he's with us. God is with us. God is with us. The Bible says this. Okay, okay. Praise the Lord. That is a promise of the Lord that God is with you. So let me ask you a question. What's up with the crack? What's up with the meth? What's up with the sex? What's up with the drugs? What's up with the alcohol? What's up with the Ouija boards? What's up with the occult? What's up with the demonic? Why are you going grave soaking? What's up with the grave soaking? What's up with these false doctrines of men? You tell me God is with you. Are you with him? You see? Point blank. We have to measure these things. Oh, your works-based. You're teaching works-based salvation. It's not works-based. Because Brother James says faith without works is dead. It's not works like, you know, go knock on doors and, you know, oh, you got to be a Christian. It's not works like that. Because the example that James, Brother James gives, inspired of the Spirit, points to Abraham and Isaac. And when you read the account of Abraham and Isaac, you know what you see? Obedience unto everything that the Lord is saying. Abraham, I want you to do this. Okay, Lord. Okay, now Abraham, do this. Okay, Lord. Okay, now Abraham, do this. Okay, Lord. Okay, Abraham, do this. Okay, Lord. Okay, Abraham, stop, 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 stop. Don't do it, don't do it. Okay, Lord. The Lord will provide for himself a sacrifice, an offering. You see? Obedience. People say, oh, that's workspace. That's workspace. No. It's obedience-based. You're you're such a legalist. You're such a legalist. What's legalistic about it? I don't want to do crack. What's legalist about that? I don't want to do meth. I don't want to do, you know, you want me to go do meth with you? That's not happening. Oh, that's workspace. What's workspace about it? Seems like obedience to me. You want to go to the strip club? I'm not going with you. Oh, you're such a legalist. What's the legalist? Where's the legalism? Show me. How is that legalist? You don't want to get drunk with me anymore. You're such a legalist. Where? Show me. You see? You want to help me to go to the strip club? You want to help me to do the drugs? You want to help me to do the alcohol? No. Let me help you. You hold my hand. Let me show you the way. I'm not going to hold your hand and we're not going to go do that stuff. You hold my hand. You see? Let us be a people that abides in Christ. And yes, as we traverse our way through the wilderness in this life, in these earth suits, Together, Koinonia Ecclesia, and we'll lay these big fat Ebenezer's, these big stones of remembrance. We can look back. It will help us remember the fidelity and faithfulness of the Lord. And should we stumble, the stones of remembrance will be right there. We don't have to go all the way back to the beginning. We'll just stumble back a little bit, one step, two steps. A little bit back, but boom, we hit the stone of remembrance and we reflect back and be like, wow. The Lord was faithful and we weren't. And we repent right there and we move on. We lay a stone of remembrance right there. Some stones are going to be like miles apart. Some stones might be five feet apart. Some stones might be even pressed together. You hear me say all the time, how, like you know. Uh, Not to uh, cheapen this aspect, but you look at like stock values, you know, S&P 500 from, you know, uh, 2000 to today. And you see upward, but then you zoom in and you see little zigzags up and down, up and down, up and down. You see falls, you see dips, you see peaks, you see it all. But on the grand scheme of things, the slope is up. That's just an example of what I'm talking about, and that's the life of a Christian. The slope is up, but in the micro in the macro, the slope is up in the micro you're gonna see the zigzags little little fall here, little stumble here, and then boom, a shot right up, growth, and little stumble here, but then growth, just like a child. A child can't carry a glass of water when you're one years old, but you know the child is going to grow mature stabilize learn stability balance and the child is going to carry a glass of water but man that thing is awfully shaky because they're still learning and the child might even spill water but the child learns then you see like an adult you know they can carry water like anywhere cuz they're not they've learned that they've stabilized they've matured they've grown Same thing in the faith. Same thing. It's not works based, it's growth based, it's obedience based. So beautiful. We see here, you know, it's when in our walk with the Lord we hit the ocean. Maybe you're in a place right now where behind you is Egypt the Egyptians now if you're egyptian listening i love you i'm speaking metaphorically but maybe behind you in christ i'm speaking supernaturally behind you are the egyptians coming to kill you metaphorically your oppressors in front of you is the sea what is impossible with the lord What is impossible with the Lord? What is impassable with the Lord? I'll give you the answer. Nothing. Nothing. If God is for you, who can be against you? Oh, but God is for me. God is for me. God is for me. Okay? And I don't mean to sound harsh in saying this. But you hear me say, what's up with the crack? What's up with the meth? What's up with the sex? What's up with the drugs? What's up with the alcohol? You hear me say these things. Is that you? What's up? Is it something which so easily ensnares you? What's up with the pornography? Oh, it's just man. Men will be man. Men will be man. Well, let me tell you something. In Christ, there's no male or female. In Christ. So if men will be men, what does that say about you in Christ? We come up with these carnal excuses. Oh, men will be men. Let men be men. You know, it's, 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 it's okay, you know. Yeah, men will be men. But the way of Adam is death. I'm talking about the way of Christ. Remember, Jesus Christ says, go and sin no more. And then we, you're going to see the, just like the S&P 500. Macro up. Micro ups and downs. And so we see here in verse 8, speaking about that they passed through the midst of the sea into the wilderness. They went three days journey in the wilderness of Itham and camped at Marah. They came from Marah and came to Elim and Elim were 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees, 70 palm trees. So they camped there. We studied this. These are things that we have studied. We've studied these things. We reflected on these things. And even for your own rock, remember, we started this exodus in early 2019. And here we are, middle of 2021. Look at the growth that has happened since. If there's growth, I mean, if, if you're listening for the first time, I mean, welcome to the camp. <laughs> but walk with us, and we're going to be dropping these Ebenezer's, these stones of remembrance. But there's a reason behind it to help us, a people of the way, on our way to paradise. You see? In verse 10, they moved from Elim and camped by the Red Sea. They moved from the Red Sea and camped in the wilderness of Sin. They journeyed from the wilderness of Sin and camped at Dovka. They departed from Dovka and camped at Elush. They moved from Elush and camped at Rephidim, where there was no water for the people to drink. You see, we study this. We've studied this. No water. Now, You see, when I say we've studied this, I mean, that's just like a blanket statement to say we've studied this. But if you remember back to these moments where we did spend some time in these particular chapters, you see, life and death happens. God has shown himself faithful. In our studies, he showed himself faithful to Israel so that we can see The fidelity of the Lord. He shows himself faithful to us. And even in his faithfulness unto Israel, we have these examples in the camp of Israel. Such as Korah. Korah was in the camp and led a rebellion against the Lord. He thought against Moses. But in so doing, because Moses was a vessel, he was against the Lord. Remember, vessels of the Lord always lead into the Lord, into the will of the Lord, always, always. Where you don't see that happen, a vessel ceases to be a vessel. That's when shepherds become wolves, which can happen. Remember our study in Acts 20. It's it's prophesied to happen shepherds will become wolves. It's prophesied. But a vessel of the Lord leads into the Lord. You see? And dies in that effort. But in our study through the camp of Israel, you see rebellion still, this rebellion of Korah. People agreed with Korah. Oh, yeah, Korah, you're right. Why does Moses think the Lord speaks to him and through him? And Moses thinks this? No, Moses, we're going to do our own deal. We're going to do this. And what does the Lord say to Moses? He says, separate from them. Just like we've studied on Sunday, separation, separation, separation. What does the Lord say to Moses? Separate from them. Separate. And in this moment of separation, it's not just like separation for the sake of you're over here and I'm over there. No, it's separation. And then the Lord kills them. You see? Now, we're distanced from that moment because judgment is coming. But that's not to say that it's not coming. We're distanced from that event, judgment. Judgment. But we're not going to be, you know, every day is one day closer to that event, to those events as prophesied. You see, get in the ark. And once in the ark, let's stay in the ark. And once in the ark, and we're staying in the ark, and we're growing, we're learning, we're maturing, we're being equipped. Then we go fishing, you see. Never leaving the rock of salvation. But we go fishing still. Rescuing souls, as Brother Jude says, as through fire. You see? And you see death in the wilderness, in the camp of Israel. But remember, the Lord is reactionary. Why? It's not like, okay, the Lord killed Korah and those who were with him. It's not just like a blanket statement like that, even though he did do that. But why? Disobedience. Never, ever, ever forget that the Lord is reactionary. He responds to obedience and he responds to disobedience. You see? The same way a parent does with his or her child. Baby girl, you did good. Here's a piece of chocolate. Baby girl, you did bad. Bring me my belt. You see? The Lord chastises those whom he loves so that we can learn. Let's continue in verse 15. They departed from Rephidim and camped in the wilderness of Sinai. They moved from the wilderness of Sinai and camped at Kibroth Hatava. They departed from Kibroth Hatava and camped at Hazaroth. They departed from Hazaroth and camped at Rithma. They departed from Rithma and camped at Ramon Perez. They departed from Rimon Perez and camped at Li, Libna. They moved from Libna and camped at Rissa. They journeyed from Rissa and camped at Ke, Kehelatha. They went from Kehelatha and camped at Mount Shefer. They moved from Mount Shefer and camped at Hareda. They moved from Harada and camped at Makheloth. They moved from Makheloth and camped at Tehath. They departed from Tehath and camped at Terah. They moved from Terah and camped at Mithka. They went from Mithka and camped at Hashmonah. They departed from Hashmonah and depart and camped. They departed from Hashmonah and camped at Moseroth. They departed from Moseroth and camped at Bene They moved from Benejekan and camped at Hor-Hagid-Gad. They went from Hor-Hagid-Gad and camped at Jot-Batha. They moved from Jot-Batha and camped at Abrona. They departed from Abrona and camped at Ezion-Geber. They moved from Ezion-Geber and camped in the wilderness of Zin, which is Kadesh. They moved from Kadesh and camped at Mount Hor on the boundary of the land of Edom. Then Aaron the priest went up to Mount Hor at the command of the Lord and died there in the 40th year after the children had come out out of the land of Egypt. 40th year. 40 years in the wilderness. On the 1st. Day of the fifth month. Aaron was 123 years old when he died on Mount Hor. Now the king of Arad, the Canaanite, who dwelt in the south in the land of Canaan, heard of the coming of the children of Israel. So they depart, So they departed from Mount Hor and camped at Zalmonah. They departed from Zalmonah and camped at Punon. They departed from Punon and camped at Oboth. They departed from Aboth and camped at Ej Abarim, in the border of Moab. They departed from Ejim and camped at camped at Debongad. They moved from bon Gad and camped at Almon, Deblatham. They moved from Almon Deblatham and camped in the mountains of Abarim before Nebo. They departed from the mountains of Abarim and camped in the plains of Moab, by the Jordan. Across from Jericho. You see? Remember, verse 2 was the command of the Lord. Moses, write this down. A command of the Lord. And so what does Moses do in obedience? He writes this down. You see? And we see since early 2019 in our study through Exodus, we see defeats, yes. But we also see why defeat we see victory yes but we also see why victory it's when the people honor the lord when they honor the lord and in some cases when an individual honors the lord we see victory such as caleb and joshua They honor them when everybody else, except for, you know, uh, Moses, Aaron, those who are with Moses and Aaron, but that's first generation. Those in the second generation, only two. Remember, multitudes, 600,000 people, you know, give or take. I don't, the exact number, I'm not reflecting the exact number. But give or take, you know, 600,000, it's like 600,000 and some. But to paint the picture of what I'm talking about in accordance to remnant, two. Caleb and Joshua, two. Just like two, Moses and Joshua, two, Caleb and Joshua. You see, what does the Lord say? Where two or more are gathered in my name. There I am with them. Two. You see how beautiful this is? Now we just flew through some of these verses. It's like, you know, but we flew through them because we've studied the events. We've studied the journey. We've seen the journey. The Lord says, Moses, write this down so that Israel can remember and reflect back. But the Lord says, Moses, write this stuff down. So a people in 2021 can reflect back to when they studied these writings in 2019 to you. Because God loves you. He wants you to know this, that yes, he is faithful. And he desires a people after his own heart who will worship him in spirit and in truth. You see, let that be you us a people of the way if you're not a believer don't be unbelieving anymore but believe and receive jesus christ if you're playing games with the lord cut it out don't do that anymore go and sin no more you recommit your life to jesus christ And you hit pause and you listen to the message how to commit your life to Jesus Christ. And you come back and you listen and we grow together. These days are evil. Just as the days of Noah. These days are wicked and evil. And it's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. See? We were told these times would come. You say, wow, these are perilous times. These are perilous times. We were, we were told they would be perilous. Oh, these are, it's sad times, sad times. We were told they'd be times of sorrow. Not times of sorrow. Times of sorrows. Plural. Oh, what's happening to people? People hate everybody now. We were told love would wax cold. Oh, who has the solution? We need to return back to these moral values. Moral values written by who? Dictated by whom? We were also told to be cautious, to be Bereans. We were told these things. It's going to get worse. This is nothing. And yet we have these stones of remembrance. The generation before us. And I'm speaking about I'm not talking about the generation of Adam. I speak of a different family. A heavenly family. These stones of remembrance laid by our forebearers. In accordance to righteousness. In accordance to faith. Such as. Moses, Aaron, Caleb, Joshua, Samuel. You see? Let their stones of remembrance, let their stones, let their Ebenezers be ours as our forebears. Because they're written for our admonition, for our help. You see? So that we can see that, yes, indeed, the Lord is faithful. And in so doing, as a result, let's, let us be faithful unto him. Because we love him. That's not mend You can't mandate that. I can't mandate that of you. I can't say, hey, you have to be faithful. I can say it. I mean, I want you to. But you have to choose it. You have to choose it. And the Lord makes a pretty convincing argument. I mean, when I see Korah and how they died and those with them women, children, that alone is a pretty convincing argument. People say, oh, you you can't scare people to heaven. Work wonders for me. The Lord scared the daylights out of me. And here we are. It might not. Don't forget. To, To Korazin, the Lord says, whoa, Korazin. But to the woman at the well, he says, I have living water. You see? To some people, he says, woe to you, Corazin. I'm of that camp. Woe to you. You want to behave this way? Woe to you. You want to act this way? Woe to you. You want to be king of your life? Woe to you. That's me. That's how the Lord spoke to me. He He freaked me out. He rocked my world. But to others, he says, I have living water. You see? People say, oh, yeah, you can't scare people to heaven. I don't know. Hell is pretty scary. It worked wonders for me. I don't want weeping and gnashing for me. And that freaked me out. I don't want weeping and gnashing for you. Oh you shouldn't use scare tactics don't use fear tactics it's not a tactic it's truth it's like uh, uh, like a a, a a present like a worldly presentation this is for your soul and I don't know about you, but hell is pretty scary It's not designed for the human. Hell was made for Satan and the demons who rejected the Lord. And you know what they want to do? They know their time is short. You know what they want to do? They want to drag you with them. But where are the fighters? Where are the warriors? I say, number one, you're not taking me. Number two, you're not taking my family. Number two, number three, you're not taking this flock of God. You're not taking these sheep. You're not taking these lambs. See? Where are the fighters? Where are the warriors? No, no boasting. No, not in a prideful sense. But where are the fighters? Like Chloe. Where are the fighters? Like Apollos. Like Priscilla and Achilla? You see? Titus. Little Timmy. In verse 49, here we are. Verse 49. And... Quite literally, I mean, here we are in our study, but here we are, too. This is kind of like, you know, where where we started in, in in verse 1, where the Lord says, hey, Moses, write this down. In verse 49, all these verses that we read prior to this, it's like little remembrance from Exodus, from, from Ramses in Egypt. It's like, okay, little marker, little stone of remembrance, stone of remembrance, stone of remembrance, Ebenezer, Ebenezer, Ebenezer. And here we are in verse 49. They camped by the Jordan from Beth Jesimoth as far as Abel Acacia grove grove in the plains of Moab. Now the Lord spoke to Moses in the plains of Moab by the Jordan across from Jericho saying, quote, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When you have, not if, When you have crossed the Jordan into the land of Canaan, then, still quote, then you shall drive out all the inhabitants of the land from before you. Remember, this is something that the first generation failed at. They, the first generation failed at this fight because they were afraid of the Canaanites. They, these guys are huge. We can't fight them. They're giants. They're huge. Look, their little tiny toe is the size of my head. Look how big these guys are. They're huge. We can't take them. Their their fingers are the size of my thighs. These guys are huge. We can't take these guys. And the recon team, they come back and they instill fear in the camp of Israel. And everybody was afraid except Moses and those who were with him and Caleb and Joshua. A remnant. You see? But the fear of this, the majority of the recon team, Their fear was endemic, and it came at a heavy price because of their fear. Their fear led to disobedience, and their disobedience caused judgment. And their judgment was 40 years in the wilderness. An 11-day journey, 11 days, turned into 40 years. You see, this first generation failed at this. He says in verse 52, Then you shall drive out all the inhabitants of the land from before you. The first generation They were afraid of the Canaanites. Do you think in 40 years later, the second generation would have learned from the error of the parents of the prior generation? You see? That's what's so beautiful about parenting and raising a child. You can have all kinds of mistakes in life. And you can use those mistakes to pave the way for your children. Hey, baby girl, I don't want you to do this because I did that too. You know, son, I don't want you to do this because I did that too. And this is what it cost me. It came at a heavy price. And I have something to say to the younger generation. To the generation after the previous one or the earlier one. And maybe of that earlier generation, you notice some defunctness. Let their loss be your victory let their loss be your victory you see you take point instead of them taking point you take point just like just like this generation let the loss when they were afraid of the Canaanites. These guys are huge. We can't take them. The little tiny toe is the size of my head. Their little tiny finger is the size of my thigh. These guys are giants. We can't do this. We can't. We can't. We can't. We can't. You're right. You can't. God can. God can. In whom are you abiding in? In whom do you trust? Because when he gives the command, hey, this is for you, you go. Is the giant going to scare you? Is the ocean going to scare you? Are the Egyptians going to scare you? Now, don't get me wrong. There are scary aspects of all of these things. There are very scary aspects. Death. very scary aspects. But our fear is unto the Lord. We give our fears to the Lord, just like we studied a couple Sundays ago. Last Sunday, we even touched on it. What about when Paul, pending his letter to Corinth, and he reveals his own Fear and depression, there's, you know, this on the inside, this on the outside, and he denotes his own depression. And yet we see the red letters when we reflect back in the book of Acts, we see the red letters where the Lord says, don't be afraid. I'm with you. These people won't harm you. There are very scary aspects about our journey, especially situationally. Things that present themselves to us along the way on our journeys with the Lord. But he is faithful. We have Ebenezer's and stones of help, stones of remembrance in our own lives where we drop these big, fat stones so that we can remember. But then don't forget the generations prior. You say, wait a second, I'm first generation Christian. My parents, they were... They didn't teach me this. Okay, I'm talking about generations prior in accordance to the faith, such as Paul, Timothy, Peter, Jude, John, Matthew, Mark, a man of few words, (laughs) Ezekiel, Daniel, all the, Moses, their stones, Samuel, you see, let their stones be our stones, stones. Let their stones be your stones so that we can learn and not stop, that we continue to lay our Ebenezers, you see. Here we lay our ebenezers and we'll continue to do so until our last dying breath. And if you're in the faith you lay your ebenezers and it's going to help the next generation after you, your kids, your little ones, it's going to help them in their walk because your stones, your ebenezers can be theirs. You see, a family tree, a beautiful family tree, not of this world, a family tree in accordance to faith, the family of God. You see, and if in prior generations, in accordance to Adam, if you don't have a standard of righteousness in your prior generations, in accordance to Adam, let their failures, let their defeats, let their losses Be your victory. Just like we see here in the camp of Israel. The first generation, their fear, their loss, their defeat, their 40 years. Yes, it came at a cost to the next generation. But they learned. And the command is given again. The command is given again. In verse 52, speaking about crossing over, you know, in, when you have crossed the Jordan into the land of Canaan, then you shall drive out all the inhabitants of the land from before you. You see, the next generation, it's their turn now. It's their turn to fight. You see, one generation fights, the next generation, they're going to have their battles too. The second generation of the camp of Israel, the camp that crosses over the Jordan, They're going to fight. He says, destroy all their engraved stones. It's very interesting that they also have carved stones. You know, the Lord has carved stones, two tablets. But these other religions, in accordance to other gods, they also have carved stones. Except their carved stone, how it translates in the Hebrew, is images as carved. Like Think of like the hieroglyphics. Images carved into stone. But what was carved into stone by the Lord? Words. Logos. Words. And the word became flesh. Images weren't carved into stones. Words were carved into stones. You see? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You see? The Logos. The Word became flesh to dwell among them. And where is the ark? Inside the ark are the two tablets. Where is the ark? With the people. You see? With the people. Now, we're going to see passages later on in the, in the Old Testament where the ark is with the Philistines. And it's terrible. But do you know why that happens? Disobedience. Disobedience of Israel. You see, all defeats are a result of deviation away from the Lord's instruction. All defeats. Old Testament and New Testament. All defeats. You say, oh, wait a second, you know, Paul was killed, Paul had his head chopped off. So, that, is that a defeat? He had to live his Christ, to die is gain. You see? A new way of thinking. A different perspective in accordance to, not Adam, in accordance to Christ. The ways of Adam are over. See? Destroy all their molded images, he says in verse 52. And demolish their high places. It's Bama in the Hebrew. It's like high elevation. Because what happens is, you know, like... What people would do is they would build their temples high, 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 high on the mountaintops because they thought we, we want we want to be on the highest point so that we can be close to God. But in the tabernacle, it was the lowest point. Why? Emmanuel, God with us. You see. These other, you know, the Asheris, the Baals, just like we studied with, with uh, uh, Balaam and Balak. They go to the mountaintops. They go to the mountaintops to see their gods and be at these temples. They're at the mountaintops. Where's the camp of Israel? At the bottom. Oh, is that a bad thing? Oh, they're at the bottom. No, the Lord is with them. Emmanuel, God with us. You see? In the belly of the whale, Emmanuel, God with Jonah. You see? Now he got in the, he was in the whale because Jonah left. You know, the Lord says, uh, go east. Jonah went west. You see? And he was about ready to die. He repents. The whale turns around and spits him off, gets him right back on course. You see? And that's the beauty of repentance. Being right with the Lord. The Lord puts us right back on course where we need to be. And we learn from our mistakes. Old Testament, New Testament. In verse 53 You shall dispossess the inhabitants of the land and dwell in it, for I have given you the land to possess. You see? Now, remember, God took Egypt, God took care of the Egyptians. But to Israel, he says, okay, now you do Canaan. I'll do Egypt, you do Canaan. You see? I'll do Egypt to the first generation. I'll do Egypt, you do Canaan. That first generation, they were, fr- they were afraid, freaked out. So it cost them. Now to the, first, to the second generation, the Lord reminds them, just through the, when he gave the command to Moses, write this down, this little history lesson. In Numbers thirty three, I brought you out of Egypt. Don't forget. Now I took care of Egypt. Now second generation. Now you do Canaan. You see, first, first fight to to Canaan, lost by the first generation. They were afraid. I shouldn't even say lost. They didn't even fight. There was a little fight, but they were defeated when they, you know, they ran. We, we studied that. They thought everything was fine, and then okay, you know, we're, we'll fight now. We'll fight now. We we don't like this, so we'll, we'll go ahead and fight now. But no, their disobedience, it came at a cost. Now for the second generation, still the same. I do Egypt. You do Canaan. What about my fight and your fight? The Lord pulls us out of bondage, rescues us from bondage, rescues us from Egypt. Rescued you and me from Egypt. Whatever that was. And I speak very personally. I know sometimes there's corporate listenership. But I'm speaking very individualistic to you. Specifically to you. The Lord took care of Egypt. He has taught you. He has poured into you. He's given you a shield. He's given you a sword. He's given you a breastplate. He's given you a helmet. You've been equipped. Now it's your turn. Oh, but I don't have to fight the Egyptians. Okay, I get it. But you have to fight the Amalekites. What do you mean? That's Where are the Amalekites? I, I, let me read the history books. Where are they? I don't know. Where, I have to fight the Amalekites? I don't get it. You have to fight the sin. You see, you have to fight. Those things which so easily ensnare you, such as the crack, the sex, the pornography, the drugs, the alcohol, the whatever. You have to fight. You have to kill the Amalekites. A type of sin. Once that happens, the fight's not over. That's a fight for the rest of our lives. Once that happens, when you go fishing for men, fishing for women, fishing for boys, fishing for girls, fishing for old ladies, fishing for old men, when you go fishing for souls, Satan wants those souls. He's gonna fight you. He's gonna want to kill you. Because he's want to. He. Wanna dra- he He wants to drag these souls created in the image of God. He wants to drag these souls to hell with him. And he knows his time is short. And he's a fighter. And if your lure that you cast, if your lure catches on one of these souls, do you think he's going to give up without a fight? No way. He will fight and he's a fighter. We have to fight. You have to fight. Yes, the Lord takes care of Egypt. But you have to do Canaan. You have to do the Moabites. You have to do the Amalekites. A type of sin. And then you also have to engage against the demonic. Where are the warriors? see, and I'm not talking about in accordance to the flesh, but in accordance to the spirit. In verse 54, and you shall divide the. Verse 54, and you shall divide the land by lot as an inheritance among your families to the larger, you shall give a larger inheritance and to the smaller, you shall give a smaller inheritance therein there everyone's inheritance shall be whatever falls to him by lot you shall inherit according to the tribes of your fathers now a little side note inheritance is for the daughters too remember the five daughters of Zelophehad? we studied that in chapter 27 you see their boldness their boldness of these five beautiful daughters of Zelophehad were a blessing not And blessing, you know, their obedience unto the Lord, but their obedience was for future generation of women. You see? And I don't say that in a worldly sense, like, you know, uh, they started a feminist movement. No. Everything in obedience to the Lord. Under the covering, male covering. You see? Everything in obedience. And so we see this now. In verse 53, God gives the command. The first generation disobeyed this command. You know, I'll do Egypt, you do Canaan. The first generation says, I don't want to do Canaan. And it came at a cost. Second generation, same rules. I'll do Egypt, now you do Canaan. And verse 55, here's the warning behind that. But if, if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it shall be that those whom you let remain shall be irritants in your eyes or briars, which is like, uh, like, uh, uh, uh. A, a, a woody stem is how it translates. A briars in your eyes. It's an Old Testament example of planks in your eyes. When you have planks in your eyes, you can't see. And if you can't see, you're blind. You see? Then it shall be that whom you let remain shall be irritants in your eyes and thorns in your sides and they shall harass you in the land where you dwell, or they shall harass or afflict and oppress you in the land where you dwell. You see, affliction and oppression, it's a result of disobedience. So many times I talk to Christians. Oh, Satan's oppressing me. Satan's oppressing me. I don't see it. In the majority of time i want to say 100% but maybe it's 99% i don't see satanic oppression the majority of time maybe not, i'll say 95% of the time i don't see satanic oppression but i do see disobedience the ma- the large majority of time oh satan's oppressing me satan's oppressing me that's not oppression that's your repression you're repressing the lord You see, disobedience. Oh, Satan's oppressing me, Satan's oppressing me. What's up with this needle on the counter? Satan's oppressing me, Satan's oppressing me. Why are you cooking spoons? Satan's oppressing me, Satan's oppressing me. Who are these strippers? Who are these prostitutes? No, That's not satanic oppression. That's repression, your repression of God. The Lord says, lays it out. This is what I desire. Old Testament, and New Testament. This is what I desire. And then you go out and do this, the opposite. That's not oppression. You call that satanic? That's not satanic oppression. I'm not, no sympathy for the devil here. That is not satanic oppression. That is rejection from truth. Rejection of truth. You see? A lot of times people tell me, oh, I'm being oppressed, I'm being oppressed. Self-inflicted. Just like you see Old Testament, how many times do you hear it say it's self-inflicted? You see? They oppress themselves. How many times do you hear Paul say that they oppress themselves? You see? They corrupt themselves. You so say, I didn't know, I didn't know. Well, you know now. I wasn't equipped. Well, you're equipped now. I was never equipped. I was never equipped. Who was your teacher? Oh, uh, Pastor Jennifer. There's your problem right there. It's a bad formula. No, fe- Pastoral leadership is always male. Pastoral leadership and elder leadership, always male, male covering. Oh, but Pastor Jennifer, she teaches this, she teaches that. I don't care. It's not, part of the, it's not part of the equation. It's the wrong formula. Male headship. I don't make the rules. I'm just a messenger. Male Okay, so I have a male headship. I have my pastor. He tells me I go grave soaking and everything's going to be fine. I'll, I'll, I'll soak in what the Holy Spirit is in these dead people. And I'm going to soak in. I'll lay on the grave for five hours, for a couple hours. And the Holy Spirit is, gonna, is in the grave and is going to go through the coffin, up through the soil, and is going to come into my body. Okay? That's also not part of the equation. It's the wrong formula. It's satanic itself. You're ill equipped. It's like preparing for war, but instead of going to war training, you go to like, you know, I don't know, 4 H. (laughs) You go, I don't know, uh, tiddlywink training. No, you need to be equipped. You need to be equipped. Because don't forget, Satan's a fisherman too. A lot of times you'll say, oh, the Lord is calling me into this ministry. I'm going to go work with the the, the prostitutes. And I'm going to bring the prostitutes to Christ. And surely the Lord would want these prostitutes to come to Christ. Yes, absolutely. But don't forget, Satan's a fisherman too. And Satan presents himself as an angel of light. And he'll certainly try to call you into so-called, I'm doing my air quotes here, ministries. And the whole time it's a trap. Because he wants you to be a partaker with the prostitute. Instead of you fishing for the prostitute, the prostitute is a fisher for you. It's not to say that the Lord hates the prostitute. The Lord loves the prostitute. But that might be a task for another person. Oh, but the Lord is calling me to work with these drug people. Okay. Have you tested the spirits? I think. I don't know. You see, and in the course of time, instead of bringing these drug addicts to Christ, the drug addicts have brought you to drugs. Satan's a fisherman. It's not to say that the Lord hates these people. But the Lord will call the vessel which he chooses for these ministries. Oh, but the Lord just spoke to my heart. I felt it in my bosom. I felt it in my heart. I felt it. I felt it. I felt it. it." Did you test the spirits? No. No. I think I tested the spirits. Are there any other? It is also written. I don't know. I don't study the Bible. Well, then who spoke to you? I don't know. I think it's right. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its way is the path is of destruction. Oh, Satan's oppressing me. Satan's op- No. No sympathy for the devil here. That's rejection away from God's instruction. The majority of the time, people, whenever I hear it, oh, Satan's oppressing me, Satan's. That is not satanic oppression. That's disobedience. That's your disobedience. And I tell you these things from experience. It's not like, hey, you know, how dare you do this? How dare you do this? How dare I did that? And having experienced those very things and experienced the chastisement too and the Lord wrecked shop on me. Now I tell you, don't make these mistakes in my Ebenezer, in my life, when the Lord showed himself faithful when I was not faithful. To him. That's one of my stones of remembrance. You see, And now I say it to you, hey, let us be faithful unto the Lord because he is faithful. You see? Faithful bridegroom, faithful virgin awaiting the bridegroom. You see? Notice this equation here in verse 55. You know, like you you see in like, you know, physics, you know, if this, then that in verse 55. But if. You did not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you. Then, you see, if, then. And then also, it's not just then, period. It's then it shall be that those whom you let remain shall be irritants in your eyes. And, whoa, so it's like there's more to this equation? Yes. Thorns in your side And more? Yes, more. And they shall harass you in the land where you dwell, you see. In closing, verse 56, moreover it shall be that I will do to you as I thought to do to them, you see. Oh, but God is on my side. God is on my side. Well, it calls into question one thing. Where are you? Where are you? Oh, God is on my side. God is on my side. Okay, you say God is on your side. Why in the world are you sitting down in the middle of this strip club? God is on your side? Oh, but God is on my side. God is on my side. Why in the world do you have a needle in your arm? God is on my side. God is on my side. No, in order for us to say that God is on our side, we have to be with him. People always say all the time, you know, oh, I've read the Bible and in the end we win. No, in the end, He wins. Where are you? Where are we? You see? In the end, God wins. Whose camp will we be in? You see? Fidelity unto the Lord. My faithfulness, your faithfulness, faithfulness, together, all of it unto the Lord for his glory, for his honor. And worship of him. You see? We're going to end our study here and pick up, Lord willing, in chapter 34. Beautiful people of the way. God bless you. I love you.